First of all, we introduce the teachings of Jesus and his call to love and pray for your enemies to forgive those who persecute you. This completely goes against Middle Eastern honor killings and eye for an eye mentality. It's radical and it, it really has an impact on people who hear this message for the first time, especially young people. Welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. I'm Dennis Weens, your host, Senior Impact Catalyst with Sat7 USA. Each week, I invite a guest to join the podcast to share their unconventional and innovative ministry approach. Please leave a comment how the topic helped you. Be sure to subscribe as well as check out other podcast episodes from a wide variety of guests and a variety of innovative ministry approaches. I want to thank my sponsor, Sat7USA. Please visit Sat7USA's website, sat7usa.org, to learn how you can be a part of making the gospel available to everyone in the Middle East and North Africa. Enjoy today's conversation. My guest today is Dr. Terence Ascott, a pioneering innovator in the area of Christian media ministry in the Middle East and North Africa. So, Terry, welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thank you, Dennis. Good to be with you. It's great to have you here. You've lived in the Middle East for over 40 years. You're a specialist in ministry and parachurch work in the MENA region, as we call the Middle East and North Africa. You've served on multiple ministry boards, and in 1995, along with Middle East Christian leaders and church leaders and 20 partner agencies working in the region, you launched SAT7, which is a pioneering Christian media model for the Middle East, and that was all 27 years ago. And, uh, you've written a book about it, Dare to Believe, so I encourage our podcast listeners to go to TerrenceAscott.com, pick up uh, one of his books on the exciting story, and an insightful look into the courageous work of the witness of the diverse Christian communities of the Middle East and North Africa. So it's great to have you back on the podcast. Today we're looking at some of the issues that are facing the Middle East. You follow the news, what's happening and how it impacts the church, capital C, and ministry. So I'm glad to have you back on. What are some of the big issues facing the Middle East today? And of course, that impacts all ministries and all churches that are working there. So thank you for coming on and uh, broadening our perspective on the Middle East that we hear in the news so much. Yeah, well, um, there are I think five major issues. I mean, you could, there's lots of sub-issues, but um, before I go through those, I just want to say generalizations about the whole region are quite dangerous. Each of the different countries of the Middle East are as different to each other as the countries of Europe. And so we, we have to be careful when we make generalizations, but there are these common things that are impacting the whole region, the Middle East and North Africa. One would be conflict and war. This really is an ongoing issue. It's not new, but right now we've got conflicts in Yemen, um, obviously in Gaza, northern Syria, Libya, parts of Iraq, Sudan, South Sudan, and many other locations. In addition to border tensions remaining uh, between Israel and its neighbors, of course, there's also tensions between Iran and Iraq, Turkey, 
and the Kurdish regions of Syria, Morocco and Algeria, and so on. And, and these have been going on for the longest time. And if you look at the escalation since the so-called Arab Spring back in 2011, we see that millions have been left dead or displaced. And this has resulted in the destruction, of course, this conflict of schools, businesses, health and other social services, the supply of electricity or safe water, breakdown in law and order. Of course, environmental damage. Uh, health services especially have been very badly hit. There's food insecurity in a lot of places, a loss of education and poverty. And many have been forced to risk their lives on treacherous Mediterranean crossings to escape from their countries um, and try and seek refuge in Europe. So it, it is a terrible situation, the, the instability and the insecurity that exists in the region generally. A second area of concern to us all is uh, poor education. I mean, almost two-thirds of the population in this part of the world is under the age of 30, and due to overstretched or destroyed school systems in many places, um, many kids have not gotten adequate education, or any education in some cases, which in turn leads to two other problems. One, they find it hard to get employment as they grow up. So young men have to continue living at home. Consequently, they cannot get married and raise a family. And this leads to a loss of self-respect and dignity. And these were the exact same problems that were cited as having led to the Arab uprisings in Tunisia at the end of 2010. And the second problem stemming from poor education or no education is that it makes people vulnerable to state or other forms of propaganda. And this weakens the chances for real democracy to evolve in the region. And it makes it easier for Islamists or other groups to radicalize young people. So it's a, a key problem. A third area is um, a lack of press freedom or freedom of expression. And even in some of the most apparently open countries in the Middle East, there's journalists and bloggers and people with legitimate concerns or complaints against government that are locked up, either as terrorists, as they call them, or under the special powers of national emergency regulations. And in other countries, such as Iran, people can just disappear for no legal reason at all. Of course, with the advent of uncensorable satellite television in the 90s and the more recent massive growth of secure and inexpensive digital media through the region, everyone now has a voice, or at least everybody who can read and write has a voice. <laughs> and yet the freedom of the press and the freedom of expression are, without question, vital pillars of democracy. Again, without these free and democratic societies in the Middle East, will never evolve. A fourth concern is a lack of women's rights, and, and this continues to be a major hurdle for the Middle East. And while you know the extreme examples can be found in Taliban-controlled Afghanistan, it's mostly a cultural rather than a religious issue. We find honor killings, female genital mutilation, and other unacceptable treatment of women in all religious communities, even, sadly, in some Christian ones, but with education comes change. In Iran, the majority of university students today are women. 
And this is perhaps why we've seen widespread women-led protests in the country under the banner of women, life, freedom, following the death of Martha uh, Amini at the hands of the so-called morality police. But until women have equality in key areas with men, there cannot be universal suffrage or, again, real democracy in the region. The fifth area is perhaps not surprising. It's a lack of religious freedom. A recent Pew Foundation study declared that for Christians, this is the worst era of global persecution in a thousand years. Consequently, over the past 20 years, there's been a massive new exodus of Christians from countries like Iraq, Syria, Egypt, and Lebanon, reducing the Christian population in the Middle East from 10% 100 years ago to less than 4.2% today. The persecution of Christians is especially hard for those who come from a non-Christian background, who are considered as apostates, who under Islamic law are worthy of death. And this has been evidenced, especially in Iran since 2010, with the closing of convert churches which worshipped in Farsi, and in Algeria, where the more where more than 50 Protestant churches have been forcibly closed in the past six years. Others in the region, including Zoroastrians, Yazidis, and those from the Baha'i faith, have also been denied religious freedom. Alongside this, there's the rise of atheism, with millions, even in a country like Egypt, self-declaring as not believing in God, despite this also being considered apostasy. And in countries like Turkey, theism is very much on the rise, with people not wanting to abandon religion altogether, but being turned off Islam by what they see as the hypocrisy and the exploitation of religious leaders. In fact, the more a government in the region leans towards theocracy, the more people are turning away from their traditional religious beliefs. Uh, in the case of Iran, this has led to the fastest growing church in the world today in per capita terms. And there are many other um, critical issues facing different countries in the Middle East and North Africa, including corruption and economic instability, as we see today in Lebanon, in Turkey, and other countries. So it's, um, it's a bit of a, a gloomy situation, uh, but it's also a time of opportunity for the church to be salt and light in such chaos. So Terry, as you think about these uh, five challenges or big issues facing the whole region of the Middle East and North Africa, what is ministry or what is SATS Heaven doing to address uh, these issues or to do ministry in the context of these challenges? <laughs> How long have you got? Well, it's a long story, but let me very briefly touch on the five areas. War and conflict. Well, first of all, we introduce the teachings of Jesus and his call to love and pray for your enemies to forgive those who persecute you. This completely goes against Middle Eastern honor killings and eye for an eye mentality. It's radical, and it, it really has an impact on people who hear this message for the first time, especially young people. And so we were able to put this through our programming continuously, the teachings of Jesus. Secondly, poor education. We've, um, in response, especially to the Syrian civil war back in, uh, 10 years ago, we started My School, a series of programs covering maths, Arabic, English, science, and so on covering the first five years of a school curriculum, 
but with a distinctly Christian set of values attached to them. And these are available today online, anytime, on demand for children who are not in school. Um, freedom of expression, where we give people, especially the church and refugees and women, a platform to express themselves. And we've been allowed to do this and continue broadcasting on government platforms owned by the Turkish government, by the United Arab Emirates and so on, because we never attack uh, governments. We don't get into politics. We present Christian truth in a positive way. And um, it's been really exciting to see the way in which we can address issues of freedom of expression and give platforms to those who have no voice. In terms of women's insights, well, we've got a lot of programs for women. Um, and interestingly, one or two of them, of their biggest audiences are men, some of whom have written or called in to apologize for men's treatment of women. Uh, we had a, an amazing drama that was shot in Palestine a few years ago that dealt with women's issues, among other things. And interestingly, uh, we had a phone call from a doctor in Egypt. He he phoned in and says, you've ruined my marriage. And we, we were kind of shocked by that. What, what do you mean? My wife has been to the police station and reported me for beating her. And she got this crazy idea from your programs. <laughs> so you can see the impact that even drama can have on bringing awareness and, and changing attitudes to the treatment of women. When it comes to lack of religious freedom, obviously we've had the opportunity to raise the issue of freedom of all minorities, but um, especially we've been able to humanize Christians. We've been able to show them as real nice people making a contribution to their own societies. Um, we've been able to change the understanding people have about Christians and the church. For example, theologically, they think, oh, we've, they've been taught that we worship three gods um, that the Son of God has a completely different meaning to what we mean uh, theologically. Um, they've been taught that Christianity is an American import or a Western import that began with the Crusades and so on. So through our programming, we've been able to change people's understanding of the church, of Christ, of Christians, and bring a new understanding um, to people uh, uh, about this. And that, that in turn has reduced hostility and persecution and given more freedom for Christians to play a role in society. So these are just some of the ways in which we've been able to address some of these issues going forwards. You know, as you talk, uh, two words come to mind. They're really in terms of uh, ministry in the church, capital C. There really needs to be greater level of collaboration, really redefining of partnership. And uh, you really were aware of that 28 years ago when you started the SAT7 ministry to have agencies, denominations, uh, ministry partners, churches, come together around a common vision to see a growing church setting aside agency distinctives or denominational distinctives. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, collaboration in this region. Well, yeah, actually a common enemy, whether, whether it's war or other challenges, um, does help unite uh, Christians. And we've seen a lot of unity over the uh, challenges of the Palestinian Gaza situation. 
They've also come together at times of natural disaster, like happened in the earthquake in Turkey at the beginning of last year, when many churches came together to provide relief services um, to the mostly Muslim population in the southeast of the country. I think increasingly people are recognizing there's a, a richness in the diversity that exists in the churches, but also that there are real believers in each. I mean, when you think about denominational differences, one tends to focus on the differences. And you think of people you've met from different denominations on, and you've judged a whole denomination on that one experience with one person, which is frightening. And I, I know that in the Middle East, what I have learned over the last years is that there are real believers in all the different churches of the region, whether they're Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, Anglican, whatever. And it's been wonderful to meet some of these people and to learn from them. We say that SAT7 works with all the churches of the region, but what we really mean is we work with believers in all of the different churches of the region. And I, I think it's important for us to recognize that every church has its committed members and its kind of nominal or even flaky members. It was Pope John Paul in 2000 at the launch of an evangelistic crusade who said only 2% of Catholics are real believers. The other 98% need to be evangelized. So that gives you a perspective just from the Catholic side. But there is real unity amongst the believers in the different denominations. Amen. Well, thank you, Terry. And I'd encourage people to get on Sat7 social media because uh, they're telling a lot of these stories of viewers, of people that are being impacted by the programs. And uh, one story that comes to mind, I know you were talking about my school and how Sat7 provides uh, free education to Arabic speakers or children, the youth, and how many mothers have learned to read and write by taking their kids to social centers, churches, or we're just watching on, on smart devices, uh, my school education, have learned to read and write, and their governments, when they were girls, didn't allow them education. Now, uh, because Sat7 provides this for their kids and their grandkids, these mothers, grandmothers, are learning to read as well. So the impact of what Sat7 doing is going uh, very far, very deep into culture and uh, making significant changes for so many people. I'd encourage you to consider ways that you might come alongside Sat7 in making a difference in the Middle East and North Africa. You can go to our websites, sat7usa.org or sat7.org. Check out ways and uh, pray about joining the Middle East team in praying and being a voice and an advocate. Maybe in your churches you hear stereotypes, uh, correct those stereotypes that uh, are so common for the Middle East and North Africa. And then if God's blessed you, uh, share that blessing with us financially or ways that you could do like gift in kind or think of creative ways that you can come alongside and help Sat7. And uh, we also provide some estate planning and conversations on biblical stewardship, talking about wills and trusts, estate planning. So there's many ways to be involved, and I encourage you to find ways that you could use your giftedness, your abilities, your talents, uh, your resources to make a difference for the church, capital C, across this region of the Middle East and North Africa. So Terry, thank you for joining the Unconventional Ministry Podcast and enlightening us, broadening our perspective, and helping us better understand the news that we listen to every day. Thank you, Dennis. In our changing world, there are more ways than ever to do ministry. SAT7 as a broadcast media ministry is changing how ministry is done. 
through innovative approaches, collaborative efforts, broadcast satellite television, web streaming, and social media, SAT7 is making a difference. Visit SAT7 online today at sat7usa.org to learn ways you can be a part of this kingdom work. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. If you know of an unconventional ministry approach, please introduce us. We'd like to have them on as guests. Thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thank you.